first and foremost, like money is everywhere. It is. There's so much money out there that we will never, ever run out. Like there's so much money. Agreed. In banks alone, there's so much money, but even outside of banks in safes and these policies that are like whole life insurance policies or IRAs. And dude, there is so much money out there out of the traditional banking system that we would never touch. And so I had to first get my mindset around that there is so much money out there. The world yeah. is fun abundant. Like you're not going to ever run out of money. You just have to be someone of value. When you become someone of value, like a real estate investor who is actively finding deals with equity, the money chases you. Welcome to the Mind Your Own Business Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Sterick. This show is where we talk about all kinds of different stuff in business, but mainly we talk about how to mind your own business and stay in your own lane. And we interview only distinguished guests in order to find out their secrets. where you're from and a little bit about what you do and, and who you are. I'm in the Ohio markets. Okay. Columbus is the main market and I'm also operating out of Cincinnati, Dayton, Cleveland. But right now as our leads are coming in, we're basically all over Ohio executing our strategy. And so, you know, I've been in real estate since 2009 and my start was buying a really dumb house to rehab uh, that got me into wholesaling. Okay. Sold on my first house, got into wholesaling, did my first deal with my mentor soon after and did that for a number of years, for like two or three years. And then I got my mindset focused on, on building some, you know, reoccurring income through rentals. The whole, like to call it passive, but it's not really passive. You know, there's nothing truly passive. It requires maintenance. And sometimes you got to go in and pull the fucking levers, call it that Seriously. way. There's nothing truly passive unless you are an investor and you just put your money into this fund and then you get the returns without doing any work. But I started buying and holding in 2002. 12 here in my market in Ohio in probably the worst neighborhoods because that's how I made numbers work back then. And and we were local. And so we could go and manage the rehabs and do the leasing, do it all basically. And you know that do it all lasted for a little bit because I'm like, man, this is getting too crazy. Starting off with like 10 properties and 20 properties. At 20, it was like, all right, this is too much. You did all that by yourself? Not by myself. I partnered up with Dave Perichins, my business partner, okay. who was also one of my first lenders. And what we do is we buy, we get the, the off-market deals that are like really good discounts because you're dealing with motivated people, right? Not with the people that are selling them on the MLS. And then we use private capital, private lenders, like private lender could be you. Anybody that has access to money, that's not getting them in a return. Okay. And yeah, Let's it, expand on that a little bit more because I think that that's something that, that like people don't, it's kind of like this mystical being where like <laughs> they're like, I don't, what do you mean I'm going to lend you money? I'm not a bank. I don't know how to do that. What does that look like? What kind of return? returns can people get on their money doing that? First and foremost, like money is everywhere. It is. There's so much money out there that we will never, ever run out. Like there's so much money. Agreed. In banks alone, there's so much money, but even outside of banks in safes and these policies that are like whole life insurance policies or IRAs. And dude, there is so much money out there out of the traditional banking system that we would never touch. And so I had to first get 
my mindset around that there is so much money out there. The world yeah. is abundant. Like you're not going to ever run out of money. You just have to be someone of value. When you become someone of value, like a real estate investor who is actively finding deals with equity, the money chases you. And when I was thinking, I'm like writing down, like, who can I contact that might have money? You know, like, like I'm like, okay, first of all, everybody chases you when you have a deal. Money chases you when you have a deal. I had to like know and come with a value a confidence. Like, okay, I have something that people want. Discounted real estate. First and foremost, get that mindset right. You have something of value to give them. And then second of all, you don't really technically ask that person like you, Stephen. Hey, do you have any money? Got any money to lend on a deal? You <laughs> ask them like, hey, you know anybody that would be interested in discounted real estate deals that want to partner on the money side of things. Right. Because that takes so, the pressure off and it's not like you're forcing them or asking them for a handout. And yeah. It's indirect. I've always raised capital that way. And it's indirect. It's showing them case studies. If you're just starting out and you don't have like a current deal or you've never done a deal in the past, you talk about a deal that you've looked at and underwritten before. And you could get that from getting into a Facebook group and getting on all the wholesalers and wholesalers are just people that get prop under contract a property that's discounted, do a markup and then go find an end buyer and assign it to them. You can get on their list and underwrite their deals and show the opportunity to somebody and ask them, hey, do you, you know anybody to be interested in partnering up this way on a, on a real estate deal? A lot of people like that word partner because they think that they're involved in the deal. The whole aspect of private money was a big mindset shift because I was all about transacting. And look, you need to transact to make money because you can't, can't eat equity, right? We were able to find a lot of our private money lenders through, I was a wholesaler at that point, had really no contacts unless they were at the RIA, through the buyers. Your buyers list is where you can find probably your first lender. Hmm. If you're looking for a private lender. That's a really yeah. good tip because like people don't really think about that. I mean, I don't think about that. You know, I've been in real estate since I was, since basically 2004. So I went through the whole cycle. We we lost oh. our asses big time in 09 and 2010. Oh. Like we, I was actually counting them up yesterday because somebody asked me like, well, how many properties did you actually lose? And I was like, dude, why do people keep asking me questions about this? <laughs> <laughs> We lost seven properties during that time. I lost a primary residence that I had just purchased in Fresno, California. Yeah. We had a hundred unit apartment complex that we were about to break ground on. It was a ground up brand new development. All the lending guidelines changed. They wanted way more cash to be able to fund the construction loan. They wanted more equity basically from us. And we were in the mortgage business and the mortgage business was tanking. You know, this is when Countrywide was going nuts, upside down, Washington Mutual, like all these big names were falling like dominoes. They're not even around anymore, right? No, no, they're, they're not, not around at all. And we lost that big property. And then after that, for us, it was just like, what happened was, right? And here's a little tidbit, little lesson that I'll never do again is we bought a lot of raw land that we were going to develop. And this raw land, it wasn't cheap land. You know, it wasn't like five, $6,000 a parcel. It was like 500,000, 750,000 per parcel. A lot of stuff in yeah. like very large high-end communities, gated communities with like golf courses and stuff like that. It was very speculative purchases because we were relying on this market is never going to end. Cycle is never going to change. We lost ourselves pretty big on that. When you say like, look for your buyers to be your lenders, I never thought about that kind of stuff because had I dug my well before mm -hmm. I needed it, we would have had enough private money to be able to float us through and be like, hey, here's the vision. We have plans approved. We've got all this stuff ready to go. Like I actually bought a house next door to that property in Fresno 
Fresno and I moved mm -hmm. all of my stuff into that house. Fresno is like five hours from me. It's not around the corner, by the way. My plan was to move into that house and manage the general contractor on the project to build this hundred unit apartment complex. And I was all in. I was like fully all in. Moved everything there, had everything set up. And you know, all that went to the wayside. We were literally like this far away from breaking ground. Permits were pulled, plans were approved. Like everything was done, but we didn't have enough money. That was our problem. Mm -hmm. And it was, the partnership was amazing. It was only my dad and another partner and myself. It was three people, a JV basically, but it was like yeah. a family JV. And all we needed was like another 400,000 to appease the bank. Yeah. yeah. Was it too late after, after you figured all this out? Like it was just, oh, yeah. it was too late, huh? Yeah. 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 It was too late. I wasn't developed enough personally and professionally at the time. I didn't know any better. I relied on my dad for a lot of information and I figured he knew best. However, he was like super old school when it came to that kind of stuff. And he was very relationship driven, but only people that were like immediately around him rather than trying yeah. to like look outside of the circle to find other investors to to jump in yeah. on it. What do they call it? Penny, penny wise, dollar foolish. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it was back then. Number, they call it jumping over dollars to get the pennies. Yeah. That was definitely the mindset back then. That's a huge nugget right there is talk to your buyers because we were in the real estate business. We had people with commercial buildings. We were doing commercial construction loans, commercial refis on apartments. We could have went to any of those people and said, hey, you want to partner up? We need a few hundred thousand. Exactly. We've got you already have credibility, right? Because they're on your list. They're seeing yeah. the deals that you have. Yeah. And now it's like, okay, so you're doing your part. Like you're the deal finder in the equation and they're the ones with the money because they're your buyers. They raised the capital. Yeah. And that's what I did. And one relationship after that led to a big lender who, you know, and at the, here's a tip too in the beginning be okay with giving away some equity of giving more of the deal because even 10 to 15 even five percent of a deal is better than zero do not get greedy you don't have any experience mm -hmm. you have experience getting deals the watermelon's big and if you get a slice of the watermelon you're going to be just fine you're going to be just fine in the long play you can't think of like can't be short-minded on what you're doing here because these relationships that you have you talk about digging the well digging at first you've got to dig you, you got to dig a deep well and in these relationships you can tap into uh, later down the road. When you have a credibility packet, you have experience now. You've got one deal, two deals, three deals, four deals. And that's what lead, leads to better terms after the fact that you've proven yourself. So mm -hmm. don't get caught up. My buddy, Eddie Speed, always says like, hey, you're getting drunk on yield. Stop letting <laughs> that get in your way here. Yeah. Work with your investors. They don't know you and they're, you're trying to build trust with them. And then eventually the terms will change. And that's what we did. Like I gave up, I was happy to give that up. Equity, deals, partnering with deals. And then on the next deal, I would start to ask for terms a little bit more favorable and favorable, and then still win-win for everybody. Because again, percentage of a deal is better than zero. For sure. So that's how I got my deals. I was doing a lot of rent to own with these oh, homes. Okay. We like that strategy. We still do that strategy today. Wow. You get a quality and tenant buyer in place, and you can still execute the strategy of buy, renovate, refinance, you know, and do the birth strategies, rent, refinance. That's interesting man, because we don't do much rent to own in California, mm -hmm. or at least, you know, around LA. But I think that's a really good idea. Because then the buyers got skin in the game, right? Mm -hmm. the, the renter, the tenant, and they're not going to be calling you on every other, you know, little fix it item that's there, they're going to rehang the towel bar after it falls off, because they always fall off and things like that. And I think that's cool, though, because like having skin in the game, they're like your partner uh -huh. in the real estate deal. And so it's in their best interest to take care of the home that you're allowing them to purchase. Yeah. And then they're taking home ownership mentality. They're 
they're keeping it, they technically are on the path to owning the house. So they're not going to destroy it. They're not going to just say, well, I rent here anyways. You know, the renter mentalities, they don't have skin in the game. It's, they just don't take care of your stuff. All the hundreds of units that I've owned, the ones that have some skin, like even section eight renters that don't want to lose their vouchers and their property is getting inspected and come inspection time, they're doing their part. They're cleaning, they're making sure all the, the bongs and the drugs are out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Getting smelling fresh. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure the doctor, all the uh, everything. And not, you know, rent to own, you still got to inspect it. So with rent to own, we're still doing at least once a year inspection just to see uh, how they're doing. And um, it also gives us an opportunity to see how they're taking care of the place. We'll drive by sometimes and we're like, oh, that was a really nice fence you put up there. Cool. You know, or they took out a, there was like swing set in the backyard and then they put a new swing set in there. So that was cool. These are some of the things that we've seen with rent to own versus just the people that are just sitting there for 12 to 24 months just renting and then you know when they leave you got to deal with that there are strategies around when they leave and making sure that they're leaving it to you in as best condition as they got it from you that's a whole nother property management thing what we're up to is we've got 400 something units all together and we're just making sure that's stabilized and cherry picking the best ones from the marketing that we do and how we've evolved in like do we keep it do we rent it do we flip it do we da 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 it's like the ones that we are going to keep we have found a way to structure it to where we can still get paid our you know acquisitions so that marketing continues to go out and then we get an acquisition fee just like you would on a apartment deal there's acquisition fees in those and that's paying you because you're doing the work you're negotiating you're meeting the seller or whatever signing the contract taking the pictures doing all this underwriting so we figured out a way where you can get paid to buy rentals the best of both worlds you get your assignment fee you get your rentals you get if you structure the deal correctly you get a good enough deal you can also pull out some cash out at the refinance end. How do you get paid an assignment fee and an acquisition fee? That's what we teach, Stephen. So we got a, a coaching program, the PYF method, pay yourself first method. It really, it's predicated around you getting a solid deal up front, motivated okay. seller. Maybe they inherited it, property or they're someone that just doesn't want their property anymore. And you structure it in a way where you put the LLC as a, just a, it's not your buy and hold entity or your fix and flip entity. It's an entity that you're putting on your contract that states that you are an acquisitions company. It would be like Steven Acquisitions Company, LLC. Doesn't own anything. It's there to basically as the face of your acquisitions company, right? Then you put it in contract and it's all about the deal. So let's just say an example deal is 200K. It's worth 200K. And the renovations are going to be a cosmetic renovation. You negotiated a deal. Let's just say this seller moved out. Uh, they had it as a, a rental for a long, long time. Now they're transitioning and going into down in Florida and they're retiring their retired landlord. You go the deal for 90k these are typical deals that we do 90k wow needs about, let's just say it needs 30 and work you're updating a couple bathrooms and doing the flooring and maybe you have to put a hot water heater and then it's just a paint and cosmetic job now your cost basis right now is 120 and it's worth 200 and it's going to rent out for probably around 1600 a month great the banks that are still refinancing they're still here banks still have to refinance properties the only way they're going to be making money is lending that's how they make their money so now my cost basis is 
at right now is going to be 120 because of rehab. Well, I'll insert a 10K assignment fee. My cost basis is 130 and I'm doing all of this with private money. I go to my lender and say, hey, Mr. Lender, Steven, I got an amazing rental. These are the terms. I'm looking to borrow 130 and uh, that's my all in. And my plan is to execute a refinance in probably four months. But you're okay with it. I'll borrow it for give me some cushion because I'm going to want to play it safe. But if I can do a 12 month note, I'll pay you 10%. I'll give you a couple points, annualized return. And my goal is to turn this into a rental. I'm going to refinance you out pay all back with interest. And so then when you're all in for this for like, let's say 130, then you've got 200K asset here. Once you've renovated it and rent it out and stabilize it, the bank's going to send their appraisal company. And one of the things that we're doing is just we're putting really good stuff into our rentals anymore. It's not uncommon to have, you know, some granite in there just so that it also lasts. Sometimes countertops get messed up. You know how renters are. Of course. The strategy here now is I'm going to take this asset to the bank. They're going to appraise it at 75% of that 200K. Okay. What is that? Right. So 150. So now yeah. you've got, you've paid what? Your cost basis is 130. You've paid your yeah. your private lender a couple points as well. So let's say that, mm -hmm. you know, all in with the interest you've paid them is like 140 now. And I think that's being right. generous. And it's appraised yeah. for 150. They're going to give you 75% loan to value and they're going to give yeah. you 10K cash out. Yeah. Right. And then you can do whatever you want with that. Typically, if you're solid, you put that into your reserve account so that you can, if there's any forecasts of move outs and stuff, like that, you're, you keep a cushion of, of a, a maintenance kitty in there, but you did this all without your any of your own dime. Yeah. And then at the refinance closing, you're going to pay back your lender. So Stephen, you get all your 130 back plus a couple points, and then you get the asset now and you tuck it away, you manage it correctly, and you get all the benefits of owning rental property that pay down from your tenant, appreciation, the cash flow. It's not a lot, but I mean, you continue doing that. And on top of that, what did you pull out up front? 10K. Right. Plus another 10K on the refund. Exactly. Yeah. So that is a model. And That's anybody awesome. can do Nobody's this like special, you know, they're not going to check your report card or your, <laughs> your you know, yeah. anything done in the past. Yeah. Like, it does not require college degree does not require a college degree it requires some specialized knowledge and managing people and relationships and that's how we've done it that's how a lot of people have done it yeah. that aren't smarter than anybody here like they just took the knowledge and went and executed and learned so it sounds simple right the whole transaction itself like obviously there's like stuff that you need to know but it also sounds like it's very tedious to do this one door at a time i know that recently you've been talking about going to commercial and getting bigger and bigger so like tell me mm -hmm. about like what you're doing with that what's your plan and stuff the economies of scale with commercial is just a lot better. You get your feet wet in residential, but it doesn't have to start in residential. You can go and do this in commercial off the bat, just like how you do it in residential. But it's literally, instead of doing it one house at a time, now when, if we're doing residential, we're doing like 10 to 20 houses at a time. But the play with uh, commercial is you can have building that, let's just say it's 100 units. All of the rehab is going into one place. It's actually technically a lot easier to rehab everything in one. Imagine 100 houses. Houses, they're scattered around town and managing everybody there. And then they're driving out to say, everyone's at one site mm -hmm. getting the rehab done. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure you so get I, different, I, you get better quality like contractor contractors. stuff too, right? Yeah. You don't have the hairy, the homeowner handyman trying to fix whatever the hell you're doing or, or you know, bring yeah. them in for a couple things. Yeah, you can't. So it almost like when you go into 
commercial, like your standards increase because you have to, you have to, you got to hit appraisal and they're going to be checking and they're going to be wanting to see the work quality. And now I'm saying you, you do that in residential too, but I would say that the commercial contractors versus the residential contractors are definitely a little bit more professional. But at the end of the day, when you're dealing at that level, you're working with like millions of dollars. Hey guys, just wanted to take a second here and thank you for listening to the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. It means the world to me. It means so much to me that you guys are listening. I don't make any money off of this stuff. I do it for free. I do it out of the goodness of my heart. I want to help people and I want to share all this cool information with you guys and everybody else in the world. So if you could think of somebody that you would share this to, so if they got some value out of it, I would really appreciate it. Share it on your socials. Click that little button for sharing and share it to your story. Thanks a yeah. And when you're playing in millions of dollars, you're going to get paid out in millions of dollars. Sure. That's the play. But here's the thing about millions of dollars, right? It's like, it's kind of scary going to that level. And yeah. so, but what I've also found too, is like, once you scale and you go to larger stuff like that, you have to bring in more partners. You have to bring in more people who are kind of involved in the deal. And so yeah. you have a team to bounce ideas off of, but also rely on their expertise. You're a lot less likely to fail on commercial than you are on single family residential that's yeah. what i've realized because you have all of these people around you advising you yeah you're, you're just at a different level and surrounding yourselves with people that have already have a lot way more experience but it's just they're adding three more zeros at the end of the day to mm -hmm. the deal and you're mm -hmm. getting paid three more zeros at the end of the deal when it comes to fruition like you know we're in the same group and i've had conversations with the guys having in tia it's like in a year and a half we were able to pull out a couple million dollars from a residential scale if you're just in affordable housing which is uh, a lot of my portfolio is it's like well you do the refinance and at the end of the day you might be able to pull out most just one house might be like 30 or 40k right and it's, it's the same amount of work maybe a little bit less on residential but for exponentially for the amount of extra work you have to put into commercial like the roi is massive compared to res massive massive and so that's we dabbled with a big portfolio that you don't you take imperfect action on there wasn't a course you relied on partners who had the experience and now we're stabilizing that and learned a lot of good lessons like in property management and I mean a lot of property management lessons were learned but also like the financing aspect like the bridge loans that you can take out the, all the other loans in commercial are actually favorable for investors there's mm. some really cool loans there because the bank actually wants to lend you more money yeah they said it's riskier to lend on a deal that's like 200 300k so right. weird right it's so it's weird. funny like, it's funny it sounds backwards but really it's it not is. it's like more protection <laughs> for the bank, the larger and the better the asset. It's so weird. And so well, you, you also, I think that as you get larger with as far as like deal size and stuff, and even in any business, not even real estate, but any kind of business, the larger you get, the more consistency you have, but I think also the more professionalism that's there. Because like on a hundred year in apartment complex, you're not managing that yourself. You're no. bringing in a professional property management company and the bank is like, cool, yeah, that's our partner too. Like you have a professional property management company. Great, we love this deal versus like, like you owning four houses and you're like, oh, yeah. I manage them all myself and I do the repairs too. You know, like they're going to be like, dude, I don't know. Like what happens if you get sick? Like yeah, it's yeah. not going to work. Who's so, going to take care of it? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely see that too. All right. Well, I told you one of my shittiest deals ever that I lost in 09. Tell me about one of your shittiest deals. Oh God. Well, I tell you, when you start getting into some of these partnerships, you got to do your due diligence, man. There's, it's not just what are they bringing to the table, right? It's also, 
also checking in, just like how you check in on tenants, you mm -hmm. should do that with partnerships. There's a current deal now that's just like, oh, why do we even get into this? Mm -hmm. You know, because we all get, you know, we got into this deal a couple of years ago with a partnership and we were just like, man, there's so much money to be made in this deal. And we're in this, like, I'm in a part of another group and all these other members are in this part of this this group as well. And some of the partners in this deal, it's just hard to do business with. And when times get tough in partnerships, the truth, like their true personality comes out. Mm -hmm. My sage of advice here is sometimes when you are scaling and growing and trying to take some things down, just do your due diligence with some partners, talk to some other people that they've worked with, or maybe talk to some lenders that they've done business with. And just telling you, sometimes you don't even need a, the partnerships that you have because wow. you can be resourceful enough to have it to be done by yourself or with other partners. When you got like too many partners and deals, it could be messy and hairy. Yeah. And make sure that you have a really solid freaking operating agreement. Yeah. That's a saving grace. A lot of people do it because you and I are the same. Like we like to take action quick and jump off the cliff and build the wings on the way down, right? That's gotten us to where we are right now. Totally, totally. <laughs> but the details do matter and you need to have that partner that is looking behind your back for that and check who you're getting into bed with on, on some of these things that you're going to do. Thankfully, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but that's the biggest lessons that I'm learning right now is you just can't look at it at surface level, especially if you're signing on some debt and you got this long-term debt that you're putting on. Like the partners that you go to bed with, it's like you got to make sure that it's lining up, that they are the same value system, or at least you have a way of having a checks and balances and maybe you might be able to get out of it. So are you that, currently uh, in a deal right now that you're experiencing this? Oh yeah. It's just, it's not good, but sorry, I'm sorry to hear that, dude. I've, you know I've mean? had partnerships like it, go south before and it sucks. It sucks. There's, it's the hardest ship to sail is, is partnerships. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes there's ones and you, you learn the lesson at the light at the right time, which I'm learning mm -hmm. because there's other opportunities that are coming about. And sometimes you just, you got to say no, dude, like that's yeah. the toughest thing about this, what we're doing, because yeah. there's probably an opportunity right now that you're thinking about, like, man, I don't know, maybe I should do that. Oh no, man. Like I think, you know, I I've always gotten away, you know, gotten here by taking this like action, but you just got to know who you're going to be doing some business with. Definitely. Right. And I think too, man, like, yes, we all get those opportunities. We all like when we get to certain levels, mm -hmm. right. And this could be at any level, you know, in the game. Right. When you're just starting out, you have opportunities and you're like, dude, I'm going to chase that because that sounds good. Then you get to the next level and you're like, oh, man, I have bigger opportunities. I'm going to chase those. And then it just keeps going. It never stops. And so yeah. what I've realized and I've really had to check myself recently because I'm like a squirrel, dude. I see what like all this stuff coming at me. and I'm like, let's go. That's a great idea. I'll just hire another VA. I'll put them on that. And I, you know, you know, and then like what happens is I get spread way too thin and right here gets spread way too thin. That's the most important part is keeping my brain in check because if I just let it run, I'll get nothing done. Yeah, dude, this is it right here because I heard this concept, decision fatigue. Mm. Decision fatigue is real, right? Like you Tell can make so many decisions that are super important throughout the day. And then at some time in the day, you're gonna just be like, I don't even want to I don't want to talk anymore. <laughs> you're like you're so burnt <laughs> out. Really what what you're saying is I, I don't want to make any more decisions. That was me <laughs> last night at 6 p.m. about what are we making for dinner? <laughs> yeah so i mean like I, that's why when it comes to like when it comes to clothes i'm really rotating the, the five shirts that i have this, right? one, I, this one today that i wore 
Yeah. I'm like, I think I can get away with this at showing up my daughter's first day of school and going into some of these properties. So I'm like, all right, <laughs> rock this. Like, I don't really care about clothes anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I used to. It was like a thing in high school for me. But now it's like, I got so many other decisions that I, I want to be super present for and make the right ones mm -hmm. that I don't want to make that decision. So you got to like, you got to pick the right partners that complement you and yeah. what you're you good at. Not yeah. the other way. I'm like, well, I really need this guy to do raise money, capital. Like, do you really need them as a partner? partner or you need to go find some money to raise yeah. like you know what I mean like that kind of discussion needs to happen before you go right into partnership you just gotta you gotta check that's yeah. one of the things that I've learned recently but hey we learn lessons all the time man yeah well and you know what I feel like every time we learn one of these lessons or every time we get into one of these sticky situations we grow way more than if we're just stagnant just trying to get through things because mm -hmm. when you're taking an L a lesson or I like to call them seminars right I go to seminars like every single day. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think that like every single thing that we're afraid of is the thing that we actually need to do. Get it right in the head, dude. All right. And I'm speaking to myself, you know, as much as I'm speaking to I'm resonating. Else. I'm resonating with you. One of my biggest fears, Steve, is like, I don't like to speak like in front of crowds. Wow. Me too. You know, and I don't know why it is because I don't have a problem speaking to you like this. Yeah. But when it comes to like crowds, I just clam up a little bit. And so last night I knew I was going to have to talk about something mm. and it's good practice to like not have really anything prepared but then go out there and just be yourself be your like your vulnerable self authentic self and we had a meeting we had a cream event and that's just like a you know networking event and it was good to get up there and have a talking point my talking point was just introducing it was giving a tip on hard money lenders are a good asset for selling your wholesale deals too and I introduced the title company and did this and it was a short stint but like doing that more often is going to overcome the fear. Yeah. It's, it's like, you just got to get in front of it. Like when I do these lives, sometimes I go live, but you don't see it on the camera. Sometimes you do. And I'm just telling everybody, dude, it's hot out here. You know, like, I'm <laughs> yeah. sweat, but I, I got to hang in there. You know what I mean? Like, and it's sometimes it's, it's just uncomfortable. You get on yeah. these lives and there's only two or three people and then five, 10, and then it's like, oh my God, there's like 20 people on there. Oh, yeah. like, there's, I still get that. But then as I talk and engage and get it going, I feel a lot better. I've come yeah. along from that because I was not the guy on the camera and doing these. I'd be like shy. I'd get like some social anxiety. It was weird, dude. But you, you got to grow it, man. You got to get better. You got to evolve because yeah. the only way to get to that level that we're all trying to go after is you got to become a different you. You have to become yeah. a different person. Right. Who do we have to become? Right. We, you and I went to an event in Cleveland recently and, awesome. and one of the speakers there was, was unreal. And he went, well, all the speakers were unreal, but one in particular resonated really with me. Like, who do you have to become? What person do you have to shed yeah. in order to make room for the new person that you need or want to become? And speaking of like public speaking, there was another buddy of ours, Frazier, who got on stage for a big stage for his first time. And he was backstage sweating bullets i talked to him afterwards but he's like this super confident big burly muscle guy and he yeah. like he knows his industry he's an absolute expert and he yeah. got on stage and he was so afraid he was so yeah. scared of and of what right really like if we boil it down are we afraid of what people are going to think of us mm-hmm 
we're, how we're going to be perceived? Or are we afraid of like screwing up, right? Not being quote unquote perfect, even though perfect is not attainable. Perfect doesn't exist. Yeah, doesn't exist. You know? So I think that like doing stuff like this, talking, of course, I've been entertaining recently going to like Toastmasters. You ever heard of Toastmasters? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I haven't gone yet, but I'm, I'm going to. And, you know, you and I share the same fears because like I can do a webinar with 150, 200 people on it. And I have no problem whatsoever. But the second I stand up in front of like a chamber of commerce meeting or something like that, where there's a hundred people in front of me physically, I just like, there's like a plan. I had a plan of what I was going to say. And then I stand up and it just goes, (laughs) gone. Blank, right? Right. And dude, I got, I got some allergies right now, but I, I got this good tip from his name is Brendan Bouchard. He's the guy that wrote High Performance Habits, a really good book. Um, and I, I did some high performance coaching. And he told me, he's like, if you're getting ready to speak into a crowd, let's just say it's a webinar or in front of people and you're doing a live and you're getting all clammy, it's because the conversation that you're having with your head needs to change. It needs to be take yourself out of the picture and turn it into how much, how can I add so much value to who I'm talking about? Mm. To talking to and get it out of like yourself like oh what are you gonna think of me or oh how am i you know is uh, are they gonna make fun of my hair no they're gonna they're gonna listen to you like what is the value that you're giving to them so make it all about the value that you're providing yeah tips the strategies your story your yeah. story is value your own personal view on things is a value you know you sharing the story of what happened in 09 is a value because it's something that they can take away and like well thank you for sharing that lesson because i'm gonna i'm gonna learn from that yeah. And that thing about partnerships, you got to watch out. Like that's all valuable stuff. And if you just leave it at that, like, how can I add value? Yeah. All of this other stuff doesn't even matter. Like, well, what are you going to think of my shirt? Or what are you going right. to think of my shirt? And like, no one cares about that. They want to see like what you want to share, like yeah. keep it at that. And then it, you feel better. And that's what I tell myself every time I'm getting ready to do something like this or to get up. And that's why I shared that tip. I'm like, oh, this is something valuable, man. I, there's yeah. whole like ask the crowd is there anybody in the wholesaling here i can't i spoke right after our hard money lender like go connect with this guy do you know that he's got access to everyone's like oh man i'll sleep you know keep it then then that that like extra energy that you get from people helps you yeah that's perfect sense you know what i'm saying it helps you so what you're saying is like focus on adding value and then you end up forgetting about all of those like negative things or those preconceived yeah. whatevers that you were really afraid of. Yeah. And it's all, that's just in your head. It's yeah. all in all awesome. my mess up. No, you're not. You're okay. So you, you messed up a little bit, but then continue giving your message of the value nugget that you're going to talk about. Speaking of adding value, tell me about your cream program and, and what that's all about. Our coaching program is basically, it shows you how to buy, like do the burst strategy yep. using rentals, using our PYF method to get private lenders to buy your real estate deals, get them and do the, the burst strategy basically and refinance on top of that, not go broke doing that process. And okay. we show you how to get paid up front. It's a 90 day deal, but we're actually relaunching that and going for as long as you want to stay within our group. We've got students on there that have been in there for like two years. Years. Oh, that's amazing. And we just want to create this community and show them what's possible with real estate investing because it's changed our lives. And we started off in residential. Some of you are wanting to start in residential or commercial, whatever it is. We've got the experience and the lessons to help you out. You know, the really the main thing that our program is designed for is to allow you to believe in yourself to go out there and start acquiring assets. These are what 
This is how you create wealth because you got to own assets. Yeah. And it's cool to do it in a way where you're not going to go broke. And if you want to quit your job, you can. A lot of some of our students have. Some of our students keep it because their W-2 is helping them fund. Their main thing is funding their second thing, which is the real estate. Mm -hmm. They're building wealth with it. You know, W-2 income is really good to have when you're going for these loans. And so we show you basically how to raise capital, how to flip properties, wholesaling, wholesaling, how to hire the property manager and not have to have this like super humongous, big team to do it all. Like awesome. you don't need a big, big team. You can yeah. get a small team. It sounds like you have like a, basically a start to finish kind of program. And yeah. one thing that I know personally, and you know it too, because we're in the same type of like business groups together is that when you get around people that are already doing this stuff, it's the shortcut. And I know that I really struggled for a long time of like, what's a paid group or a paid mastermind or a paid course. Even I was like, so stubborn that I think I, I could learn it myself and I mm. could, but what I've learned in the last basically year ish that I've been in a bunch of paid groups, it would have taken me 10 years to learn on my own. Yeah. And so like, I definitely now push that message out there and encourage people as much as possible, like pay to get into those rooms, pay to learn from people who have made all these mistakes and you will exponentially increase your trajectory on the growth that you want. Yeah, it's powerful. And the relationship capital in our group is so powerful and also in the groups that you're creating. And it's it's amazing. You know, you can get a lot done now with a text or a phone call. That's how our deal is funded anymore is through awesome. a phone call. I love it. But we show you how to get there. And if you're interested in it, I don't know if they're going to drop a link here or not, but you can connect yeah. with me on IG. It's just my name here at, and then my name, RJ Pepino. I'd love to uh, do a quick call with you and see if you're a good fit for the program. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And then are you RJ Pepino on all the platforms? Is that where people find you? Yeah. So mainly I'm on Instagram. I do a little bit on Facebook, but Instagram and TikTok. Believe it or not, I'm on TikTok. We also are you huge. Are you huge on TikTok? I got I was I was on TikTok when everybody was just kind of experimenting a little bit. Okay. And now that it's TikTok is like a big thing now, it's you know, there's a lot more people on that platform. I think it's a solid platform to go and you know get a bunch of followers that you can not then turn into a community. But I'm on there. I'm at it's at the real RJ Pepino. And at then the real RJ. Because there are fake RJ Pepinos. I there know are. <laughs> there are I'm trying to get the, uh, the, you know, the, whatever the verification is. I'm glad that they came out with the verification on Instagram. Cause geez, there was like two or three other accounts on there. I know, man, I got, I got your cousins, your RJ cousins always hitting me up for crypto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, weird. I'm not a crypto guy. I, I don't know what. I don't even know what the concept, but you heard it here first. If RJ is hitting yeah. you up about buying crypto, it is not him. Do not do that. Yeah. RJ, Thank I appreciate you being on the show today. And as you know, we only welcome distinguished guests on our Ooh. podcast. And so I appreciate you <laughs> very, very much. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Everybody go follow RJ and check out his cream program. I know that it's going to be helpful for a lot of people. And it's been helpful for a lot of people already. Thanks, dude. I appreciate you. Hey, guys. Just wanted to take a second here and thank you for listening to the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. It means the world to me. It means so much to me that you guys are listening. I don't make any money off of this stuff. I do it for free. I do it out of the goodness of my heart. I want to help people. And I want to share all this cool information with you guys and everybody else in the world. So if you could think of somebody that you would share this to, so if they got some value out of it, I would really appreciate it. Share it on your socials. Click that little button for sharing and share it to your story. Thanks a lot.